Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Science of Pokemon. I'm your man, Veteran Lucas, and with me today, as always, is Professor Collins. Howdy, folks, and welcome back to our returning listeners, and thank you for tuning in, newcomers. Yes, welcome, newcomers. Welcome, oldcomers. Now, let's get right to it. Professor, I've got a question for you to set up this episode. Shoot. Are you a cat person or a dog person? I am a tarantula person. No, no, seriously, like, a cat or dog? Age-old question. We set up this bit. We scripted this. What are you? I think they're fine as long as I don't have to clean up after them. Well, thanks for that help. Really, really appreciate that teamwork, buddy. But today, we are going to debate which do our fans, not ourselves, but our fans love more. Cat Pokemon or dog Pokemon? I bet the answer is Electric Mouse. <sighs> Me too. Cue the music! Alrighty then. Now, in order to get started in this episode, we have to break down what are the major differences between cats and dogs. Because a lot of people try to compare the two, but by the end of this, I hope you see how different they really are. What is really important to understand about dogs, first off, is the groups that they're with. So you have wolves, coyotes, jackal, and the common dog. These are all in a group we call genus Canis. It's really cool to talk about them because they have some really unique features that most people will take for granted. They have longer limbs than their body size would normally predict, and they have that larger head, um, that long snout to go with it, well-developed canine teeth, which is where they got the name, uh, the ability to run just on their toes, and their claws don't retract. Um, the other major thing that they have that most animals don't, in fact, none of the animals do, is their nose allows them to take in air, but then they can let it out through the slits on the side of their nose. And that allows them to take in new scents, let out the old ones, and not make any new scents get um, contaminated by the old. Now, they are omnivores. That's another big thing. They eat both plants and vegetation. So wolves will eat everything from larger things like deer and buffalo. And then some will move down the food chain, like coyotes will eat rabbits and vegetation. And then you have things like jackals who are just scavengers, and they'll feed on whatever they can find. Um, they are pack hunters in most cases, with all these animals forming up with packs. And that's really cool because when you look in the Pokemon games, every single dog that I can think of in the Pokemon game has something in its Pokedex entry about being a team player, about working well with the group, which I think is really cool to add into it, and very important. Okay, so you're asking yourself, that sounds great and all, but where did dogs come from? So it's important to recognize uh, that the, the, where the relatives come from, because we're talking about the differences between cats and dogs here. Somewhere around 40 million years ago, there were canine-like animals kind of roaming the world. Uh, they were more small and fox-like. Um, it did take over you know, a long period of time, somewhere around getting closer to 19 million years ago, uh, that we had rise to essentially the first wolves. Um, so what we do see, though, is that today uh, the dogs that we see today are not as closely related to their wild ancestors as you would see cats. And we can look at that through DNA testing. Um, the closest relative to dogs today is actually the gray wolf, um, followed by coyotes. So the thing is that dogs were changed over humans uh, and through domestication. And we're going to talk about that here. Uh, I'm going to head it over to you. Yeah, so with domestication, that's something that you come up with a lot when you work in the zoo and aquarium field. Um, people assume that domestication is as easy as making like a squirrel love you. That's, that's not the case. Domestication is when you take an animal and breed it selectively for a certain purpose. So dogs, chickens, cats, camels, alpacas, um, these are animals that have been bred for a specific purpose. Uh, taming an animal is when you make the animal less likely to bite or claw your face off 
or you just make it more likely to do what you're told. That is what happens when you tame tigers and elephants and rhinoceroses. You're not domesticating them. You're just making sure that they don't kill you. Wait, wait, wait. I got this one. Okay. You can tame the shrew, but you can't domesticate it. Fair enough. Oh, Shakespeare. We're, we're that kind of classy now. <laughs> we're, we're Shakespeare? Yes. You think I wasn't in theater. Think again. All right. So um, one of the things I do want to mention before we move over to cats is this one phrase. What did we do to deserve dogs? I hate it because it implies that we did nothing to deserve them when in fact we did everything. Between 30,000 and 14,000 BC, we started domesticating dogs. They were the first animals that we domesticated and getting them to love us unconditionally was not easy. Uh, there are two theories about how humans and dogs became the way they are. One was that wolves and humans were hunting the same animals and eventually we just got used to being around each other and eventually started working more and closely together. The other is that humans saw how good the wolves were at um, uh, hunting and they stole some of their pups, raised them on their own and kept the most docile ones. It's important to know that word, docile. That is one of the key things that made them so domesticatable. One of the key things to being domesticatable is they grow up fast, they can listen to humans, they have a pack mentality. Um, dogs have all of that in spades. So we selectively bred the ones that were biggest, the ones that were able to hunt the best with us, and the ones that were least likely to bite us in the face. And so that's what really comes down to, being able to change them over thousands of years. So the next time someone says, what did we do to deserve dogs? Everything. We literally did everything we could to make this thing love us. Now, the same cannot be said for cats. Now, Professor, Professor, how do you how do you feel about cats? About the same I feel about dogs. <laughs> really? It's interesting because a lot of people have different feelings on them, and that's because they are such different animals. Cats on their own are some of the best hunters on the planet. Way better than dogs. They have a far larger group, and they are on almost every continent. Um, the main characteristics of cats are going to be their very strong forelimbs for jumping, retractable claws for grabbing in most cases, um, cheetahs don't have them for running reasons, um, their teeth and dentition designed for a very strong and powerful bite. These animals have that striking features of their eyes and their nostrils and the main what we call cat-like features, but they all have a purpose of being amazingly good at hunting for themselves and on their own for most cases. Uh, these animals are divided into two groups. Benthanaria, which is going to have cats, lions, leopards, and tigers. And then you're going to have Philanae, which is going to have all your lynxes, servals, cheetahs, pumas, and your typical house cat. Cats, as hunters, are called hypercarnivores, so they're, that means that they only eat meat. Like, there is no nibbling on grass, there is no berries, it is a strict meat diet. If you are giving your cat a vegan diet, you should be ashamed of yourselves. They cannot digest that stuff. They're so good at digesting meat that their bodies and like their livers and their kidneys can process toxins much better than other animals. Cats can hydrate themselves off salt water and even blood. That is the animal we let into our homes, an animal that drinking blood is the same for it as drinking water. That's incredibly disgusting. So, okay, let's talk about cat domestication. And it's not really as touching as dogs because, well, here's the thing. So while humans kind of like, you know, push dogs, you know, we'd be like, hey, we like this dog. Hey, that dog's bad. Kill it. Don't breed it. That dog's nice. Let's breed it. Hey, that dog's nice now, too. Let's breed that one. Um, cats was kind of different. You know, while we selected dogs, um, cats kind of selected us. <laughs> so um, the thing is, is that, you know, we look at uh, a lot of, about their behavior, but, you know, they really haven't changed over time. Um, they're a lot more closely related to their ancient ancestors, and it's kind of where we can 
come up with a lot of this uh, this uh, hypothesis here. Um, we know that cats tend to come around uh, because humans, well, we attract something. We attract rodents. And what do cats like to eat? Rodents, yes. So essentially cats domesticated themselves <laughs> just through pure natural selection by who was smart enough to stay around humans to get free food. Whereas we picked dogs, so we selected. Um, we, we selectively bred dogs, which is why we created some really weird and ugly dogs. But yeah, so cat, cat, cats kind of just did it on their own. They were like, hey, these uh, large smelling walking things, uh, you know, they, they have rodents nearby. Let's, let's hang out with them. I mean, it worked out pretty well for them to the point where they really didn't lose much of their ancestral survival instincts. But having those survival instincts, being different from dogs, and being the more independent animal has led a lot of people to ask the question over history, do these animals actually love us? Do they like being around us? And cats can be way more standoffish than dogs, and so to see how much these animals loved in comparison, they decided to do a little experiment. Now keep in mind, all experiments need to be done over time in order to confirm their validation. You can't just do it once, but this one experiment put dogs and cats and before they could introduce them to their owners, they took the cat and dog saliva and they studied it for oxytocin, which is also called the love hormone. It's called that because when animals, um, specifically mammals are bonding, they release that. So that's the same sort of thing you get when you're hanging out with your friends or family or when a mother is nursing its child. This is a very important hormone to have when you're communicating love or connection or bonding. Now what happened was after they got the first sample, they let the animals hang out with the owners for 10 minutes and then they got a sample of that saliva. Now, clearly, I'm not even gonna let this hang on a whim here. Like the dog won, like hands down. The dog got a 57.2% increase in the oxytocin level. That, for reference, is close to what humans feel when they see their children or their loved ones, which is between 40 and 60%. The dog sees you the same way you see them. They see you as just part of the family, which is exactly how we bred them. So good work, ancestors. You did a good job. Yay. Now on to the cats. Yeah, let's, let's talk about the cats. Um, how high do you think that percentage increase was? Three. You know, I was surprised too. It's more than three. It's 12. So double digits. Well done, cats. You surprised me. <laughs> No, cats scored a 12%. That means they do show affection, just not nearly as much as the dog. Now, I don't know what 12% is a reference to, but I would equivalent it to seeing that guy in the office who changes the coffee filter. Like, he's he's nice, but he's he's just okay. Now, I don't want you to take this as an idea that cats are like the worst, meanest animals, because clearly there have been examples of cats that do care for their owners. But it's important to understand that with most cats, they are independent, and they can hunt for themselves. That is why they work so well in apartments and living with people in small spaces and on their own. That is why they cover the globe. Dogs are awesome because we made them awesome. Cats are awesome because they're just cats. And sometimes we just can't handle that awesomeness. So to handle the debate, dogs love you more. Cats can survive better. For me, I'm a love guy. So dogs all the way, every time. <laughs> okay. All right, so now that we're done with all that, let's go ahead and get to the Pokemon. All right, guys, so now that we're done explaining some of the mechanics of real cats and dogs, it's time to get into the Pokemon and their relation. Now, today we are going to try something a little bit different. Um, you see, normally we would just talk a little bit about some of the species and how they relate to animals. There are just so 
many that we just end up talking about one or two species because those so many animals are really based on one or two specific species in one breed. But today, we're going to make it a little interesting. We're going to play a game with you guys. We are going to list off almost every single cat and dog Pokemon that we find interesting or the fan base finds interesting. And then we are going to have you people listening. Yes, you on the elliptical and you stuck in traffic and going to work. We are going to have you guys vote for which team you are on, Team Cat or Team Dog, in a head-to-head showdown on our Facebook group. So that means you need to come join our Facebook group. The link will be in the show notes. For real, check it out. Come join us. Uh, give us some love. Help us ensure that Team Dog or Team Jacob. No, there's never going to be. No, no. Stop making 2008 references. Um, so we are going to go through the Pokemon. We're going to pick the ones that we talked about. We're going to talk about it each one. Um, just so you guys know... It was really fun looking this stuff up because when it comes to looking up legends, usually you have to go very niche. But with dogs and cats, cats, you cannot go anywhere without finding some dog or cat reference in every single culture. It's astounding. So just look up your own culture, and I bet that you're going to find some cat or dog myth there. Now, without further ado, let the games begin. Professor, you're up. Okay, I'm going to do Houndoom, which is probably based on either a Hellhound or Cerberus. And I know you're saying, hey, Professor, Cerberus is a three-headed dog. <laughs> yes, however, descriptions of the, the creature do vary, including the number of heads. So, let's talk about a Hellhound, though. So, a Hellhound is a supernatural dog found in folklore. Um, they're usually kind of viewed as ominous and uh, hellish. And uh, they're seen as being with, with large, mangled black fur, glowing red eyes, super strength and speed you know and and in certain european legends they state that if uh, someone stares in it into their eyes they'll die so this this creature is associated with with sorry in cultures where it's associated the afterlife with fire hellhounds also are associated with fire-based abilities which is kind of funny because hound doom is a fire and dark type you know dark evil death yeah all that so i kind of feel it's a great homage that not only the look but the typing yeah all right nice so in reference to yours i'm going to pull out another Another myth, and I'm actually going to talk about Luxray. Now, Luxray, a lot of people see it as a lion, but it shows more comparison to a lynx, which is a smaller cat-like animal that roams around a lot of different parts of North America, as well as Asia and Europe. Now, there are a lot of myths about this animal, but one of my favorites is the one that it's said to have these mysterious eyes, these eyes that can pierce through anything and see into your soul. Now, this is seen in the Pokemon games. Luxray has the ability to see through solid objects, and that's how it hunts its prey. In Native American cultures, they even say it's the keeper of secrets, which is the ability to see and unravel hidden truth with psychic powers. Now, I wish they had showed this more in the game of what he can do, but I still think it's really, really really cool that they put that little tidbit from ancient legend into its Pokedex entry. Okay, I got Meowth. So, um, it's based on what's called Maneki Neko. I cannot say it because I do not speak Japanese and I apologize for butchering that. So, this is known as the Lucky Cat or Beckoning Cat. Um, According to some legends, this cat raised its paw to welcome a lord and saved its life when the lightning bolt hit the cat, not the lord. 
essentially. So um, these are used as charms for restaurants and shops to essentially bring customers good fortune and luck. They essentially will kind of be placed to greet people in, and the idea, the belief is that they'll beckon people in and bring in prosperity and good luck. Um, sometimes you, you'll see um, them holding an ancient Japanese coin, which is kind of similar to the one on Meow's head. So it's just kind of cool that the cat, you know, that is supposed to bring prosperity has the move payday, which which gives you prosperity. Nice. All right. So you picked the first cat. So naturally, I'm going to pick the latest dog, and that is going to be Lycanroc. Now, Lycanroc is based off the Hokkaido wolf, also known as the Ezo wolf. Um, there is word for it in Russian, but I don't speak Russian, and I'm not going to try to butcher this one. Uh, so what's really cool about this um, animal is that it was around in different parts of northeastern Asia. The sad part about it was in Japan during the Meiji Restoration period, it went extinct because of American-style agriculture reform that said to poison the wolves so they'd stop eating the livestock. So the animal is sadly no longer around. Um, the Hokkaido wolf was um, described as this formidable, terrifying beast. One of my favorite quotes of it comes uh, from one man who wrote about in the winter. Um, of a gray color in the summer and grayish white in the winter, when this fur is thick and long, its feet are remarkable for their size, three or four times larger than the feet of the largest dog, which they resemble in shape, only the claws are much longer. Now, if you remember, heard that last part, the newest form of lichen rock, the dusk form, is going to have that tough claw ability, which is really cool that they added that into the game. Now, as for the midnight form, it's a werewolf. If you don't know what a werewolf is, what is wrong with you? I'm not going to explain to you what a werewolf is. But I need to know. <laughs> if you need to know, go to another podcast after this. I'm not telling you. Okay. So I'm going to do uh, my favorite dog, Lucario. So Lucario is very clearly and very openly based on Anubis, who is the god of funerals and the dead. Uh, Anubis, uh, essentially in Egyptian mythology, judges the hearts of the deceased uh, based upon their actions in life, which kind of resembles Lucario's ability to kind of see creature's aura, uh, you know, their, their soul. Um, it also appears to be based on Egy- and it, some sort of Egyptian boxer, which if you're not sure, boxing is a sport that is believed to be a group originated in Egypt. Now, this is something I found really cool. Uh, the parentage of Anubis varies a lot, but in early mythology, he was portrayed as the son of Ra, and Ra is the sun god, and Ryolu only evolves in the... Sun? Sun, yes. Yay! All right, so now I'm actually going to throw out my favorite cat Pokemon. Um, Litten is based on a tabby cat. Now, a tabby cat is pretty much a cat with a striped pattern, but the tabby pattern is actually, um, unlike with domesticated dogs where you have to make certain patterns, tabbies are pretty common. It's a pretty great defense mechanism to have a mixed colored pelt in order to blend into your surroundings. Uh, for some reason in England, I don't know what was wrong with them, but in the mid-1600s, um, the Archbishop of Canterbury was given a tabby cat and claimed that this cat, while it was once gray and white, its breed was dying off, which was very strange when you look at medieval art and find that there are tabby cats everywhere. The reason that um, uh, tabby cats exploded in popularity very recently in history was because not only were cats more introduced as pets and they were thought to be pretty, but the first mass-produced toy about cats, uh, Ithaca Kitty, was based on a tabby, and that was released in 1892. Okay, so I'm going to talk about Meowstick. Uh, which is a so it appears to be some sort of yokai and if you're not sure what a yokai is a yokai is a type of supernatural monster spirit or demon in japanese folklore you know sometimes they're called either uh, ayakashi or mononoke or mamono and yokai kind of range in how they act they can be malevolent mischievous sometimes bring good fortune 
but they often possess either animal features or sometimes they appear to be kind of human or sometimes inanimate objects. Interesting. So Meowstic is based off of a Nekomata, which is a cat yokai, that comes from a domesticated cat and it lives many years until its tail splits and then it gains supernatural powers, which is kind of like how Meowstic evolves from Esper. Uh, Nekomata often is being depicted as standing on two legs like a human, and at least one account is shown to be wearing handkerchiefs on their heads, kind of like Meowstic. All right. All right, so you're bringing out the cats. I think it's time to bust out the big dog. We're talking about Arcanine. So Arcanine, being the true mythical Pokemon, it is based off two or three different mystical creatures from Japanese folklore, the Shisa and the Komaniru. Um, there's also one that's based off the Hatei. Um, this is a mythical fire-eating dog. But the main ones that we're familiar with, they're always fusions of tigers, dogs, and lions. Now, the Shisa is a traditional cultural artifact that is often seen as a cross between a lion and a dog, and it's in Okinawan mythology. It is designed almost like a ward. It is believed to protect you from evil people, and when it's placed on rooftops or flanking gates, what's really cool is if there's a gate and there's two of them, the one on the left will have its mouth open, and the one on the right will have its mouth closed. The mouth open is to ward off evil spirits, and the closed mouth is to keep the good ones in. Uh, the Komaniru, the lion dogs in English, that's what it translates to, are statue pairs of lion-like creatures that are guarding the entrance of gates and shrines as well, or they're sometimes kept in inner shrines itself where they're not visible to the public. They also share a very similar feature, which is, again, awesome that the mystical creature would, of all Pokemon, the one that was going to replace the legendary birds, is just so many myths and legends shoved together to make the most awesome giant dog, horse, lion, tiger thing ever. <laughs> Alright, um, I'm gonna butcher this name. Ready? The neck trick. The neck trick. Yeah, you got it. You got it. I've a little never bit. used you got it. it. I'm not gonna lie. I, I, there's there, I, there's much. There's a whole lot of other electric Pokemon I liked in Gen 3. <laughs> so, Have you seen his Mega? He turns into a Super Saiyan. How do you not use it? Yeah, I'm okay. Um, so it's either based off a of man wolf uh, and, um, or this yokai of Japanese lore, um, the Raiju, which is an elemental lightning creature that takes the shape of various mammals, including, including, wait, wait for it, a blue wolf wrapped in a white and yellow lightning. Ooh. Yeah, I've never heard of a blue-looking dog with yellow like lightning on it. No way. Um, it is also said that it, its cry sounds like thunder, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to take things down a cuter path, and I'm going to talk about Skitty. It's based off a of kitty. I really wish you didn't have to say that, but it's true. It, it's it's a kitty. <laughs> but I do like pointing out some of the things in the design, because it is designed to show as much cuteness in your face. But it does have some very kitty-like characteristics. Number one in its appearance are its eyes. Um, with its um, eyes, um, cat eyes don't open until their first 10 days. So it's important to remember that kittens do need all that attention. In fact, they can't even control their body temperature for the first three weeks of their life. That means that they constantly need a smotheringly large amount of attention. And they add that in the Pokemon game, that this thing needs attention and everyone loves it in the game and in the real world that we love kittens so much. Um, what's important to also notice is that its tail does look weird. 
and it's based off foxtail grass, which in Japanese culture, they use it in a lot of different things. It's one of the, it's a weird plant trope that you see in anime and manga. Yes. Okay. So we talked about the cutest cat ever, and now I'm going to talk about the fiercest cat ever. Ooh. Entei, which is apparently based on some sort of Chinese guardian lion or known as lion's foo. Um, they're essentially fully grown male lions. Uh, they're also, they can be confused with canines, which is incorrect by Westerners. Yay, Westerners. Um, listen to our Alola episode. And you'll hear lots of jokes about Western culture messing oh, things yeah, up. Oh, yeah, you will. <laughs> so their original significance is that they serve kind of like as guardians at Buddhist temples, which is kind of cool when you think about Entei's role as kind of essentially guardian here uh, within Johto and essentially uh, the towers. So um, the, the idea, though, is that these guardians, their face would scare intruders away. Like a real lion, though, Entei does boost a pretty regal mane. It's got some pretty nice, long, retractable claws, and it's strong, bulky, and kind of agile, too. So, yay, Entei. All right, so you had your big fire cat. I got my big fire dog. I'm going to stay on the cute trail, and we're going to talk about dog breeds. We're going to talk about Little Pup, who's based on the Yorkshire Terrier. Now, if you don't know what a Yorkshire Terrier is, it's a very small dog, very fluffy, very cute. It was first created in the 1800s in, wait for it, Yorkshire, England. Its original purpose was to be small enough to change rats in clothing mills. Now, this originally was bred from several other Scottish breeds of dogs, and this was one of the dogs that was part of one of the main focuses of the 1800s for the Witch and Realty, which was dog breeding, or Eugenics 101. Um, it was 1878 <laughs> when it was first in show, and the American Kennel Club turned it into an official breed in 1885. Like any small dog, it's super hyper, super protective, and it loves, loves, loves attention. Let's talk about another really annoying small dog. Beagle. I mean Smeargle. I mean, wait, what? Smeargle is clearly the word smear, smearing paint, and beagle, because it looks like a beagle. Now, to tell you about beagles, beagles have actually been around quite some time, all the way back to like 430 BC. Um, clearly, there's some sort of hunting dogs. Uh, either we know that, you know, either they were used for hunting large animals, helping kind of take down their legs, or, you know, we know that they've been taught to hunt small animals like rabbits, foxes, and other small mammals. They've been so popular in Europe for a long time that, you know, even Queen Elizabeth had a whole hunt of them. Um, Charles Darwin's ship to the Galapagos was the HMS Beagle. You know, I don't know why they liked it. I think they were a little crazy. Um, they're not known for their painting skills, though. I will tell you that Beagles are not known for their painting skills. Yeah, no, they, they, they're much more known for hunting things down and biting them. That's just kind of what Beagles do. <laughs> Alright, so we got one more left, and I could not think of a better cat-like Pokemon to talk about than 150 himself, Mew. 151. 151? Okay, my bad. 151, Mew. Uh, Mew is very similar to a vertebrate embryo. So an embryo is one of the starting stages of life. It shares many traits with a cat, and its morphology is also vaguely similar to a Jeroba, which has large hind legs and a long skinny tail. Now, in the Pokemon game, it's believed to be the ancestor of all Pokemon, which, along with it resembling an embryo, is pretty important to dictating that this is part of replication theory. Now, one of the cool things about embryos, when you compare them across the vertebrate spectrum with everything from lizards to birds to cats, dogs, and even humans, we share a lot of similar traits up to a certain point, and then we start getting feathers and claws and teeth. And I think it's really cool to have this as the original Pokemon, this splitting point. And making it a cat, I think they named it Mew because of the sound that kittens would make. And I think 
yeah, that wraps it up. That's every single cat and dog that we found interesting that we could fit into this episode. So without further ado, let's discuss the game. Okay, so that was a pretty big list. And there's still plenty more for a sequel. Ooh, there is, but not now. We'll do it later. All right, everybody. So here's how the game is going to work. We are going to recap every Pokemon we just went through in kind of a rapid-fire succession. Then we are going to go ahead and send it out to you guys on our Facebook group to vote for Team Cat or Team Dog. Who's going to get more love? You get to decide. Don't forget to vote. So we're going to pick three winners from the winning team randomly to get to pick from. Uh, we have the Triple Threat, the three shiny GameStop Legendary Beasts. We have the 2006 Mystery Mew and a level 100 shiny Smeargle with Heyday. So as soon as you vote, just post on our poll. You can even be, just type the word vote. Um, whoever's comment was submitted first gets first pick, and so get your vote in quick, please, and thank you. All right, people, uh, let's do the lineup. Professor, kick it off. Okay, for Team Dog, we have the Hellhound itself, Houndoom. For Team Cat, we have the Lion Lynx, Luxray. Next up for Team Dog, the Triple Threat, Hokkaido Wolf and Werewolf, Lycanroc. And then on Team Cat, we have the Lucky Maneki Neko, Meow. Team Dog. The God Judging Death Anubis, Lucario, Team Cat, the most adorable Tabby Cat, Litten. On Team Dog again, we have the original legendary itself, Arcanine. And then on Team Cat, the Yokai with supernatural powers and the stare that just won't get out of my brain, Meowstick. Team Dog, the Lightning Yokai, Manectric. And Team Cat, the Foxtail, Grasstail, Adorable Skitty. Next up on Team Dog, we have Yorkie's Fit in Your Head. We have the Little Pup. And then on Team Cat, the Guardian Lion, Entei. Finishing it up for Team Dog, the Painting Beagle, Smeargle. And finishing it up for Team Cat, the Embryo Cat, Mew. Wow, I think that wraps it up. That is one heck of a list. As you can see, these dog and cat Pokemon mix in with everything from cute, strong, and legendary. But now it's time. Go to our Facebook group, uh, facebook.com slash group slash science of Pokemon and vote. Um, which team will win? I honestly have no idea. I hope it's dog. Either way, we're going to announce the winning team and our winners on the next episode. So let's wrap it up. Well, that was fun. I mean, it's not our normal style to do anything, but I kind of like changing it up a little bit. And honestly, guys, the fun does not have to stop here. That's right. We're easy to find on social media. We want to hear from you as we continue to grow. We want to have your input because we are smarter together than we are alone. That was what we said on the first episode, and it's true then, it's true now. So don't worry, though. We'll be back with um, next time with a regular episode, but we couldn't resist a little friendly competition today. Yeah, now, the way to contest us, we do have a Twitter, um, at Pokemon Science. Um, you can find us there, drop suggestions for episodes, drop comments. We want to talk to you guys, we want to listen to you guys. That's why we do this, and we want to hear what you guys have to say. So, subscribe to us on Podbean or iTunes, stay up to date on each episode. Please give us a five-star review on iTunes, and we'll pick some each month from here on end. We'll read them for everyone to hear. And if that's too fancy for you, if you don't like social media, if you're just listening to this for whatever reason, uh, we do have a email, PokeScience at yahoo.com just shoot us an email and talk to us there we're pretty quick catching up but again facebook is the fastest way to reach us 
So if you aren't an 80-year-old grandma, you can find us on the PokeScience page on Facebook and the Science of Pokemon group on Facebook, facebook.com slash group slash Science of Pokemon. Um, we're sorry to keep driving this home, but we want you to be a part of this. I think that's really important, too. The fun from Pokemon doesn't come from playing the games or like talking about the science. It comes from being this amazing community that's been around for 20 years. So thank you so much for being a part of our community that's part of this great community. Thank you so much for coming out and have a great rest of your day. We'll tune in next week and we'll give you guys the winning results, the winning teens, and who is going to be our winners. Thanks for coming out, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.